Well, good morning, church family. Let me ask you this question as we start. How do you go forward? How do you go forward in life? You may suffer great loss or be in a time of great pain, and in that moment, how do you go forward? Or maybe God is calling you to do something, and you're sensing that. How do you go forward? Well, that is going to be the theme of our day today because today we are finishing our several months long series in the book of Exodus today, right here. And we're going to go forward after we finish this today. And what a perfect opportunity to do this right here when we're gathered in the gym on our church picnic, church camp out weekend, and we're all together in one service. Isn't this great to all be together? Thank you so much. I hope that you're getting hungry because we're going to serve lunch here pretty soon after we're done worshiping God. Here's what we're going to do today. I want to, I want to, Scott thanked everybody that set up the room. I also want to add my thanks to everybody who put on the camp this weekend, the camp directors. They worked really hard. And the people who are running the picnic. Can we just give one more round of applause for everybody that's worked so hard this weekend? It's a great time. So here we are. Today we're going to look back over the book of the Bible that we've spent most of 2021 on the book of Exodus. We've seen so many amazing things in the book of Exodus, and I believe that God has done amazing things through this church and in this church over these months. I'm very thankful for that. How about you? Amen. So here's how we're going to do it today. We're going to review the entire book of Exodus today, and we're going to do it in a very fun way. We're going to have some fun doing it. We're going to do it with an impromptu drama, a play right here in front of you. So I need some actors, and uh, if you weren't here at the beginning of the service, you missed out on your opportunity, but we have the perfect number of actors here that signed up, and so I'm going to call up the actors. The first thing I want to do is I need a band of Israelites and a band of Egyptians. So for the Israelites, I'm going to ask all the littler children here, that's right, if you're about under 10 or 11 years old, would you go stand by the speaker right up there? Come on, everybody! If you're 11 years old and under, right by that speaker, Mr. Tristan's got you right over there. Come on, we need Israelites. For Egyptians, I need the kids that are a little bit older. So I'm looking at some of my daughters here. 11 years old and older, you're going to be the mean Egyptians. All right? So come on, I need some Egyptians. You go stand against the wall over there. Mean Egyptians. Come on. Looking at you, Caden. Good job. Now, we have the adult roles. These are non-speaking roles, but I need actors. You've got to act out the script that's been given you. Oh, I know you're nervous. Okay, so number one, we have Pharaoh, Mel Regeer. Come on up. <laughs> Go get your name tag from Tristan. He's going to slap it right on your chest or allow you to slap it on your own chest. We have uh, Moses' mom and baby Moses. We're going to have Alex Mason and Lily. Moses' mom and baby Moses. All right, there they come, right there. Tristan's got name tags for you as well. Adult Moses, Josh Fisher. Come on. Perfect. All right, now we have Jethro, Jared Franz, the brand new dad again. Come on up, Jared. 
Zipporah, the lovely Zipporah. Mary Lou, come on, Mary Lou. The burning bush, Stephen Troutner. Come on up, Stephen Troutner. Aaron, Benjamin Tucker. Come on up, Benjamin Tucker. God, Yahweh. You're like, who's this going to be? Mike Fisher. Come on up, Mike Fisher. <laughs> yeah. And last but not least, the golden calf. Sue Kruger. <laughs> All righty. Are you ready to act? Here we go. If you want to have your Bibles open, you're welcome to, or else just sit back. We're going to review God's wondrous works in the Exodus story, where he's taken us most of the year, and then we're going to conclude this amazing book of the Bible. Now, you ten actors, you're lined up back there. That's perfect. When you're finished with your parts, you can have a seat. Are you ready? All right, here we go. Here's the narration intro. On January 17th, a local church in the 21st century in Warsaw, Indiana, began a journey to know God better and grow closer to Him together for the glory of the Lord. The church was named Community Grace Brethren Church, and moving through the journey... Moving, the journey was through the Bible's book of Exodus. The series title was Moving the World to Freedom. There are not many stories in the Bible. There is one story with many parts, with Jesus at its center and us still living the story this very day. The book of Exodus begins where the book of Genesis ends. Jacob, the patriarch, whose name was changed to Israel, moved to Egypt through his son Joseph. 400 years later, the Israelites, now numbered between 2 and 3 million in population, and find themselves in slavery under a new cruel line of pharaohs. God determines to free His people from all oppression so that they could worship Him. This is our story as well, from slavery to freedom to worship God. All humans begin as slaves to sin, and the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Actors, are you ready? Okay, whenever I read the Exodus text, you will act it out to the best of your ability. Okay? You really got to sell it. Let's begin. Exodus 1, verses 8 through 11. Now there arose a new king over Egypt. That's you, Pharaoh. Arise. <laughs> and he said to his people, Behold, the people of Israel are too many and too mighty for us. Just act it out. Come, let us deal shrewdly with them, lest they multiply. And if war breaks out, they join our enemies and fight against us or escape from the land. Therefore, they set taskmasters over them. That's you, Egyptians. Set your taskmasters over the Israelites to afflict them with heavy burdens. <laughs> and made their lives bitter with hard service. They ruthlessly made them work as slaves. They are slaves. Bitterly oppressed slaves. But chapter 2 God appoints a deliverer. 
Now I encourage everyone here listening today to relate your story with Moses's, because if God has saved you through your faith in Jesus Christ, he has appointed you as well to be deliverers, to bring the good news of freedom to everyone in your lives. So let's connect with Moses's story in this way. Exodus 2, 1 through 3, the woman, that's Moses's mom, conceived and bore a son, baby Moses, played... <laughs> And when she saw that he was a fine child, she hid him three months. When she could hide him no longer, she, she took for him a basket made of bulrushes and daubed it with bitumen and pitch, the little ark. And she put the child in it and placed it among the reeds by the Nile River bank. Way to go, Mom. Um, Lily, you've done a fine job. This could be your acting debut. All right, and... Uh, Alex and Lily, you may have a seat. Okay, good job. Because Moses is going to grow up now. Good job. Now, adult Moses. When Moses was 40 years old, he killed an Egyptian. <laughs> In defense of a Hebrew brother, but when Pharaoh heard of it, he sought to kill Moses. But Maris, Moses ran, ran away from Pharaoh. He fled and stayed in the land of Midian. Hey, actually, Moses, you fled to the land of Midian. That's right over here. <laughs> right over there. Whew. <laughs> I lost my place now. <laughs> Okay, now Jethro, Jethro, come on over here. You're in Midian as well. And Zipporah, you can work your way down over here. All right. Over in Midian, Jethro was a priest in Midian, a pagan culture. He had seven daughters. <laughs> Amen to that. Um, and Moses was content to dwell with the man, and he gave Moses his daughter Zipporah to marry. <laughs> and she gave birth to a son, and he, he called his name Gershom, for he said, I have been a sojourner in a foreign land. Well, well done. And uh, Zipporah, you've done a great job, and you may have a seat now too. Yeah, let's hear it for Zipporah. Meanwhile, the people of Israel groaned because of their slavery, and they cried out for help. Cry out for help. And God heard their crying and remembered his covenant with Abraham, and God saw the people, and God knew. Yes, this is what we must do first. Anytime life is harder, anytime we are in oppression, cry to God for help. That's not always the first thing we think of, but cry to God for help. God moves those of us to freedom when we cry to him for help. And then God called Moses as a deliverer. Now, Moses was over here keeping the flock of his father-in-law, Jethro. And an angel, well, yeah, we do need the burning bush. He knows, he knows the story. He's on his way. <laughs> and the angel of the Lord appeared to him in the flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. 
Moses looked, and behold, the bush was burning, yet it was not consumed. And God called out to him from the bush, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. God called Moses, but did he jump up right away and, and obey God's calling? No, he made excuses like we often do. Moses made five excuses. He said, I'm not qualified. He says, I don't know enough. I'm too afraid. I don't have the skills. Oh God, just please send someone else. Now God got a little angry and said, okay, I will give you Aaron. Aaron? Aaron, you've just been given by God. Go stand by Moses. Aaron, the reluctant helper. And God said, I will give you everything you need, Moses. I will be with you. Then, <laughs> excellent. Then chapter 5 taught us about discouragement. You see, we start with obedience, and then discouragement is the result. Chapter 5, verse 1, afterward, Moses and Aaron went to Pharaoh. Go. This is their calling. They went to Pharaoh. Thank you to the burning bush. Good job, Stephen. <laughs> they went to Pharaoh. And said, thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, let my people go. Good. Moses and Aaron did it. They obeyed God's calling. That took a lot of boldness. So we start with obedience, but then discouragement becomes the result. Think of that. Pharaoh made the people work even harder and had the Egyptians punish them even more severely. <laughs> the Israelites grabbed Moses and Aaron. They said to him, Israelites, Israelites, grab Moses and Aaron and say this. The Lord look on you and judge because you have made a stink in the sight of Pharaoh and his servants. Yeah, shake your fist at those guys. We've got some serious discouragement and disunity among God's people here. You guys all start fighting amongst yourselves now. I mean, what a mess. Now, community grace. We can complain and blame when discouragement comes, but God says don't do that. He says, come to me first. Come to me first. Through all of this trouble, God was just preparing his people, and he was preparing Moses. Moses was a fearful, resistant man of little faith at first, but you remember how he grew. What did he become? Through all of these trials, he became a man willing to do hard things, even though he was misunderstood having conviction, having God's grace and power. And we learn the same thing, to have a heart of justice, to face criticism, to face conflict with the powers of the world, to not be silent, to not be bought at any price. Moses became such a deliverer. And this is the type of person who will move the world to freedom in Christ. Well, then we arrive at the ten plagues because Pharaoh's heart was hard. Now, we learned that God didn't need to use the plagues. Remember that? He could have just made Egypt let Israelites go. Ah, but remember what his purpose was. His overarching purpose in the Ten Commandments was to show the Egyptians and the Israelites and all the world that I alone am the one true God. And if you remember all the ten plagues, each one of them identified a group of the false idols that the pagan nations worshipped instead of God, giving them the, the worship that God was due and so he went after all 10 of them. And so here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to read all 10. Egyptians, 
freak out about these plagues. Now, Israelites, be calm and cool because they didn't touch you. All right, ready? Here we go. Water turned to blood. Frogs everywhere. Lice everywhere. Flies. All the livestock die. Boils all over me. Thunderstorm of hail and fire. Locusts. Darkness for three days. Each of those breaking Egypt's worship of the false gods. And then the tenth one was the worship of Pharaoh himself, and that was the death of the firstborn, setting up another story of the death of the firstborn. Man, you guys are good. Now, Israel was protected from all of these plagues. Israel was protected from the death angel taking their firstborn, and they were protected how? Do you remember? By taking the lamb, the blood of a spotless lamb, and painting it on their doorsteps, on the crossbeam and side posts. A picture of the cross, of the ultimate lamb. Little did they know, right? But how much do we know? They were picturing Christ 1,400 years before he came. For, the, for Israel, the lamb is at the center of the Passover meal, which is the center of their identity as a people. And for us, the lamb, Jesus Christ, is at the center of our communion, the Lord's Supper, what the Passover was changed into by Jesus on the night he was betrayed. And that commemorates what makes us who we are. That's the saving gospel of Jesus. Well, then it was time to go. We get to the actual exodus, the exiting from Egypt. And now, get ready, Israelites and Egyptians, you're going to start moving this way towards the promised land, which is way over there, but not yet. Exodus 12, 33 through 36. The Egyptians were urgent with the people to send them out of the land in haste. They get out of here after all those plagues. For they say, we shall all be dead. All right, and stop right there. Perfect. The people of Israel had done as Moses told them. They asked the, the Egyptians for silver and gold and jewelry and clothing. So go ahead and get all that stuff from the Egyptians. And the Egyptians let them have what they asked for. Thus they plundered the Egyptians. Then the people of Israel journeyed from Ramses to Succoth, about 600,000 men on foot besides women and children. Very good. That's a big group of people right there. Two to three million. And God kept his promises that day that they would leave Egypt with wealth and that they would become a great nation. And they have. And now the people come to the Red Sea. This is the Red Sea. And Pharaoh's army is chasing them down. They, they had a change of heart. They're like, let's go get them. All right, stop, stop, stop. You haven't got there yet. So they are caught between a rock and a hard place, or a sea and an army, a bloodthirsty army in this big sea. This is a difficult place. But we see that God's salvation comes from crossing over to grace. I'm going to read the events of the Red Sea. Actors, are you ready? Here we go. God said to Moses, lift up your staff. He's saying that, Moses. There, ooh, props. Lift up your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it that the people of Israel may go see through, the, through the sea on dry ground and I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians so that they will go in after you and I will get the glory over Pharaoh, his chariots and his horsemen. 
Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the Lord drove the sea back by a strong east wind. Come on, audience, make the east wind. And made the sea dry land, and the waters were divided, and the people of Israel went into the midst of the sea on dry ground. You can come too, Moses. The Egyptians pursued and went in after them into the midst of the sea. And the Lord in the pillar of fire and the cloud threw the Egyptian forces into a panic. The Egyptians said, let's get out of here. The Lord is fighting for them. Then the Lord said to Moses, stretch your hand over the sea that the water may come back upon the Egyptians, their chariots, their horsemen. So Moses did, and the Lord threw the Egyptians into the midst of the sea. The waters covered the army. Not one of them remained. So the people feared the Lord, and they believed in the Lord and his servant Moses. Let's hear it for the Egyptians. You may return to your seats. You can return to your seats feeling very well accomplished. And the Israelites sang praises to God. And then God led them safe and sound into the wilderness. Now you're in the wilderness. Where we found our, the purpose of our wilderness. Each one of us faces a wilderness from time to time. A season of life that is very hard, dry, or uncertain, or painful, or confusing. A time of struggle. A time of need. What is your wilderness right now? They've just entered that. This is how the living, breathing Word of God works. So connect with the Israelites right now. Well, how's God speaking to you right now? God may have delivered you from ter terrible things in the past, and yet, but here you are again in the wilderness, this trouble, this trial. We learn that the wilderness in our lives grow us, and they grow us closer to God, and they prepare us for the promised land. God does things in our wilderness that he can't do in any other time. And so we learn not to be grumblers like Israel was. Remember these three characteristics of grumblers. When you grumble, these three things are true about you. You have a poor memory of the past. Remember all the things that God did for you in the past. You have a poor vision for the future. They are going to the promised land. I mean, God is still with them. They have his promises. And they have poor logic. We'd rather have Egypt provide than God provide. Come on. And our wildernesses have a great memory of the past, have a great vision for the future. Trust God completely. Then Moses went and got his father-in-law, Jethro, because Midian is close to the wilderness. It was a nice reunion. Zipporah, you could make a cameo, Zipporah, but it's okay. It's all right. They, they reunited. It's okay, really. I know. We'd like to have our wives with us, but it's okay. Um, so Moses tells Jethro all about God's wondrous works, and he leads Jethro to faith in the one true God. And Jethro receives God and offers praises to him. He, he says, now I know that the Lord is greater than all gods, and Jethro burned an offering and sacrifices to God. This is exciting. And then God used Jethro now to give Moses and Israel advice on setting up an organizational structure so that everyone, everyone has a role in his ministry, God's ministry. 
So, Jethro, this is a speaking part. Go ahead and tell all the crowd there is a role in God's work for you. All of, excellent job. Amen to that. All of us. Organizational structure that we still follow today. Exodus 18. Then God led them on through the wilderness. We're going to go a little bit farther. And they arrived at Mount Sinai. Here we are. Right around there, Mount Sinai. Where God gave them some very special things. He gave them the Ten Commandments, and remember, he spoke them from the mountain to God, from the Mount Sinai, the top of Mount Sinai, directly to the people. And we studied the Ten Commandments. And then right after the Ten Commandments, in the next few chapters, God gives them several more laws. And if you were here, we took a quick jog through all those laws, and we learned that there are three broad types of laws in the Old Testament, the ceremonial laws, all about the feast and sacrifices, those Jesus fulfilled in their entirety. They all pointed to Christ. And then there were civil laws that governed a theocracy, but any kind of government or any kind of governing structure can learn lots, all the wisdom of God in God's laws for civil law. And then third were the moral laws, and those are the ones that we still follow today, the difference between right and wrong, the things that were confirmed in the New Testament. And we learn to love God's law, to love God's law. Well, after that, now it's time for God to get us ready for the promised land. Look over there, Israelites. Can you see the promised land over there? Yeah, it's inhabited by giants. We're not quite ready to go over there yet. God's going to get you ready first. And the first thing God does is lead the very first worship service on the top of the mountain, the very first worship service. You guys are in it right now, and we're still doing that today, right now. Isn't that cool? It's really fun to, to see the first of something that we're doing together right now. Keep worshiping together as God's people, everyone in this room, everyone who'll ever hear. Never stop. Always gather together to worship God forever. Then God called Moses up on top of the mountain. So God, come on up on the why don't you meet Moses up there on the top of the mountain? Watch your step, of course. I mean, you're God, but um, okay. That's, that's really, you know the story. Okay, so yes, God um, veiled himself uh, uh, to a certain extent. Yeah, okay. And God gave Moses the detailed instructions for building the What? The tabernacle, very good, very detailed instructions. What's a tabernacle? It's a special tent. Why a tabernacle? Anybody remember why a tabernacle? So God can be with them, dwell with them, because God wants to dwell with us. He wants to dwell with us, and he wants us sinful humans to be able to dwell with him. And so these are the instructions to build the tabernacle with the tent of meeting, that reflect God's glory and allow his presence, his relationship, his presence to be right in the middle of the camp, right with the people, and for them to have access to him. He wants to dwell with his people. He wants his people to dwell with him, and he provided the way for it. In the Old Testament, it was the tent of meeting, the, the sacrificial system. 
That was the Old Testament. In the New Testament, the way he provides to dwell with us and among us and in us is through the one who fulfilled every detail of the tabernacle, every little piece of it, every part of it, Jesus fulfilled it all and came to the earth to be one of us, to tabernacle among us, to dwell with us. Moses was gone for 40 days on the mountain, receiving this great provision for God's people. Meanwhile, what was happening back at the camp at the bottom of Mount Sinai? 40 days is a long time to have no idea where your leader is. What, when Moses came down from the mountain, what did he find the nation of Israel doing? Worshiping the golden calf. Led by Aaron. Aaron, come over here, Aaron, because you made the golden calf out of all that gold that you melted down. You can bring the golden calf over there. Very good. Israel, start worshiping the golden calf and dance all around it. Yeah, come on, dance all around it. Yeah. No, Israel, no. What have you done? You know what they've done? They've returned to what they used to worship before they worshiped God. And we learned that we do the same thing. And God says, no, no, don't. Before God saved you, we, we found our identity in certain things. We found our recreation in certain things. We find humor in certain things. We did and hung out with pe certain people. Don't return to those things. We're still so prone to do this as well. Now here comes Moses. Was Moses upset? Oh yeah, let's read what the word says. He was righteously upset. You ready for this? Okay, here we go. And as soon as he came near the camp and saw the calf and the dancing, Moses' anger burned hot. And he threw the tablets out of his hands and broke them. <laughs> and he took the golden calf they had made and burned it with fire. <laughs> and ground it to powder, and scattered it on the water, and made the people of Israel drink it. Thank you for not hurting the golden calf there in real life. <laughs> drink it. Man, what a scene. Righteous anger. Was God happy? No, God said he would destroy them all. But then Moses did something amazing. He talked to God. He did something amazing, something inspiring, something that we all should do for the lost sinners in our lives. He prayed for them. He interceded for them. He offered himself as a sacrifice for them. God said, no, I will send another sacrifice to do that. And he did. Jesus, his son, our Lord, who died for our sins. The people that day repented, though. They were sorry. Oh, they repented. They humbled themselves, and they repented. They said they were sorry for their sin. They had fallen into sin, but once they said they're sorry, once they repented, did God forgive them? Absolutely, and he will every time. Not only did he forgive them, he restored them fully and completely restored them to a full relationship with God, fully reconciled to him. 
and they renewed the covenant that they had made together. They, as we can always be, were completely restored to God. God, give big hugs to the Israelites. Big hugs. Very good. And that is the end. So let's thank all of our actors. And now, as we come to the end of the book of Exodus, this is the last day we'll be in it uh, this, this year, this time around, we come to chapters 35 through 40. Now, you might say, whoa, that's a lot of chapters to get through in like their three remaining minutes. Chapters 35 through 40. What we see, if you open your Bibles to 30, you don't have to, but if you, if you do, when you do, what you see in chapters 35 through 40 is a lot of repetition. In one way or another, we've preached already through pretty much all of these last few chapters. That's because of a couple different things. One, repetition is a, is a literary tool for teaching. Repetition aids learning. Repetition aids learning. Repetition aids learning. See how that works? And so you see a lot of repetition in the Bible. There's a reason for that. Those things are important. But what do we see in these chapters? If you flip through them, much of what you see is all the materials and instructions for the tabernacle are given all over again. Now, last time when we went through them in more detail, it was God on the top of the mountain with Moses giving the instructions to build the tabernacle, and he gave them in, in the order of importance. In these chapters, you see a totally different order. You see the order in which they were built, because now it was time to build. And build they did. Remember, God gifted Bezalel and Aholiab, and then it said, and all the others who did the work, he gifted them with the abilities to do the, the skill, the craft work, and the hearts, the willing hearts, and his spirit to do the work, just like God gives us today. All of us who are following him and serving him and worshiping him. And so they built it. And we arrive at point number two, if you've even looked at your notes, the climactic end and how to move forward. Chapter 40 is the final setup of the tabernacle. If you read it, Moses did this, they did that, they set up all the stuff that they had made, everything has been built. Moses and his crew set it all up. And here's how the book of Exodus begins. I'm going to read the last six verses of the book. It'll be on the screen. Chapter 40, verses 33 through 38. Follow along with me. This is how the book ends. And Moses erected the court around the tabernacle and the altar, set up the screen of the gate of the court, so Moses finished the work. Then the cloud covered the tent of meeting. God's presence had moved back in among them. And the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. And Moses was not able to enter the tent of meeting because the cloud settled on it and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Why wasn't Moses allowed to enter it? Because he wasn't a priest. The priesthood started then. As, as it should have been. Verse 36, Throughout all their journeys, whenever the cloud was taken up from over the tabernacle, the people would set out. God's presence led them. But if the cloud was not taken up, they didn't set out until the day that it was taken up. For the cloud of the Lord was on the tabernacle day by day, and fire was in it by night, in the sight of all the house of Israel throughout all their journeys. That's the end, the climactic end. Now, after all the amazing, miraculous things 
that we've looked at in the book of Exodus and how they've applied to our lives, ending the book with the details of the tabernacle kind of seems anticlimactic, doesn't it? Ah, until you realize that if you think that's anticlimactic, you're missing the point of the book. The point of the book of Exodus. The story of Exodus began in slavery. And it ends in worship. It begins alienated and cut off from God and oppressed. And it ends set free, free to worship God. This is the greatest climax there could possibly be. Freedom for the world comes from truly worshiping God. On this side of the cross, we know what the Old Testament worship all pointed to, all of it. It all pointed to the gate, the door, the ark, the ultimate priest, the one who tabernacled among us. That was Jesus. And Jesus says, I am the way, the only way to freedom. He says, I am the final sacrifice. I am the priest. I am the basin. I am the altar. I am the bread. I am the lamp. I am the fulfillment of all of the law for you. And all who believe in me and receive me inherit forgiveness, new life, and freedom. And we worship God who did all of that for us. And then Jesus goes a step further, a big step. He transfers all of that to us. And now he says to us that we are his temple. 1 Corinthians 3.16 is just one of many places that says this. 1 Corinthians 3.16 says, Do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's Spirit dwells in you? Our bodies and our church body, the body of Jesus. We are God's temple. We make our sacrifices. We present our bodies as living sacrifices. Everything that we do, everything, everything, may it be an act of worship to God. Our relationships and our friendships and our community in the church are beautiful in Him. We are His temple, and He dwells with us and in us. And we live for him. And so the ultimate next step of the entire Exodus series is this. From now on, we've got to live in the freedom that we have through Christ. We've got to live in it. Israel kept returning to bondage, didn't they? And we do too. No more. We've got to live in the freedom that we have the freedom to worship God, the freedom to be a beautiful temple together who proclaims this word, the message of Jesus, of freedom in Jesus to the entire world. It is clear how we move forward in freedom now. Our next sermon series is going to be about that last point, proclaiming the freedom that Jesus gives to the entire world. That's going to be in two weeks. Next week we'll be at Central Park, and I hope that you can all join us and bring friends and be ready. 
to worship God in public and proclaim his glories to the world around us. For now, let's pray. I think, Lord, every, every person here would agree that you have spoken mightily through the book of Exodus and, and we still stand in awe, and that's, that's the point. In awe of you, our awesome God, to give you the worship that you're due and receive all that you've given us for the purpose of your glory, for the purpose of our joy, for the purpose of our good, for the purpose of the good around, of all those around us who we may be able to lead to freedom for themselves in Jesus Christ. May we worship you. May we enjoy a pure relationship with each other, whatever, the, whatever that takes. And may we proclaim this good news to the world. We respond to you in our singing now with joyful hearts. In Jesus' name, amen.